it's really important to have the right butt in the right seat right off the bat. And there's some unicorns out there. You know, you hire somebody for a job and you tell them that, okay, this is what, you know, these are your expectations and this is what I want you to do. And they can't deliver on that. I would yeah. say more times than not, it's really hard to move them around and then be successful anywhere else when that's not what you hired them for. So it's super important to put the right butts in the right seats. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I want to thank you all for joining me today on the show. I have Courtney Vest. She's the Marketing and Development Manager for a division of Cross Country Mortgage. Her team does about 700 million in annual volume and she has helped her top three loan teams grow from 20 million to 65 million in two years. She's an expert in building successful mortgage teams, marketing and social media for the mortgage industry and growing your mortgage volume. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you, good to be here, Doug. <laughs> awesome, sister. Well. I need to know because I was uh, social media stalking you and I need to know who is the best Texas country band or artist. Oh no. <laughs> and you're I, you're in Dallas, so you get the polished ones up there. You know I am and I hate to even answer because I married a cowboy too from Oklahoma who is like strict dirt road country only, uh -huh. none and of I, the new stuff. I know you're a closer because I, you know, I saw a picture of him. That's a handsome cowboy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, I know that. And he's such a trooper too, because I am not, I am not the easiest bag either. And we met on like through mutual friends. Mm -hmm. He lived in Oklahoma at the time, ended yeah. up like driving two hours. And I didn't, I didn't ever really go on dates. So I was like, okay, you can pick me up for dinner, but I'm going bowling with my friends later. And you, may or may not catch an invite and he wow. ended up like staying out all night blackout drunk may or may not have threw up uh -huh. on him Did oh no let him stay at my house so we closed it down at like 2 a.m he drives all the way back to oklahoma and texts me at four like just got home thanks for hanging out like love to do it again sometime i was like okay <laughs> yeah so obviously you, has no you, friends. Used, you used indifference to uh, a fault, I would say. You did not care. <laughs> I did. I just kind of go out there and I do my own thing. And it's it's really my friends too. It's not even like I just went out there buck wild on a date. Like you get yeah. three or four of my people that want to take some shots or I don't mm -hmm. do whiskey. I'm a tequila girl. So okay. one of my friends only does whiskey. So the only way he does tequila is we do one, we do one of each, which is the stupidest stupidest little thing that we have that we do and it but it gets you there really quick in a bad yeah, way <laughs> i can imagine yes now that i'm married that doesn't happen as often <laughs> okay okay awesome <laughs> now i saw you guys uh were out at a few concerts and stuff like that so i had to give you i had to give you a hard time because you know me and my wife all the time we argue about this and then her sister is like a freaking groupie country fan you know what i'm saying yeah. like she's 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 there for it she's doing the backstage and the vip and all that and so she argues about it too she's a little more well versed than us but you know <laughs> we always have this conversation so but anyways um okay so we actually had a similar start in sales you know i was surprised when 
when we talked uh, the last time, there was a lot of very similar uh, growth patterns, I should say. And you you put you actually got your start in graphic design, which is where I got my start too, which was I, I just thought was hilarious because mine was actually for a real estate office, and I'm assuming yours was for a, a mortgage company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so walk us through from graphic designer to marketing and development manager. How does how does that take place? You know, I think marketing can go one of two ways. You know, and any marketer or graphic designer that you talk to will kind of tell you this too. There's two different kinds. One that okay, I'm a more of a programmer type. I'm sit behind the computer, you know, make your ideas come to life. That very operational supportive role of um, that type of marketing and design. So originally when I got into it, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to work for the Richards group here in Dallas. I'm a big Jeep girl. So I wanted to run their Jeep advertising campaigns uh, and things like that. And then the other side of marketing, which is what I ended up going into was the more, you know, relationship based uh, adding value in whatever way that I saw, you know, whatever opportunity there was to add value. So mm -hmm. as I got into it, it was okay. I didn't like the actual sitting behind the computer graphic design piece as much as I liked the stuff that I created, pitching that to, to people or helping, you know, really tailoring that to, okay, here's what's going to increase your ROI, get in front of the most people. This is what mm -hmm. um, getting kind of more into the analytical space of, okay, what are, you know, for your case, real estate, in my case, mortgage and real estate, you know, yeah. I am supporting loan teams and their biggest kind of B2B marketing is to real estate agents and not mm -hmm. directly to the consumer. So my research was, okay, what do real estate agents want to see? Are they, you know, listing their houses or they need open house, they need social media, they need print marketing. What is that? Um, and I kind of transferred more from the, okay, just graphic design. I'm just making flyers and brochures to the, right. how can I actually help implement a marketing campaign and strategy into your business that will help you grow. And then as I, you know, kind of progressed through that marketing space, hired graphic designers underneath me to mm -hmm. make that vision come to life. So um, I've definitely realized I was not as much a behind the computer type of girl uh, execution right. is execution, I would say, and my boss would tell you is probably my main um, value that I bring, not even recruiting mm -hmm. sales or anything like that. Uh, I was right. born to be an operational person, but also yeah. like to get out there and make sure that people are taken care of. So I can sell that also. Awesome. And so when, so that obviously more than covers the marketing piece and kind of goes into the development piece, right? Cause now you're coaching them to execute on that marketing. And so can you talk a little bit more about the development piece and what that looks like for you? Right. So the development piece now for me is bringing additional loan officers and salespeople into the fold of our branch. So okay. I cross country mortgage is a nationwide company, you know, I 8,000 employees probably, and I support a branch directly and then also kind of help manage divisions. So within our branch, you know, 40, 50 people, uh, say 60% of those are actual salespeople. So the development mm -hmm. piece of mine is bringing in other loan officers and other salespeople to our fold with those value adds. A lot of the times in mortgage, there are big promises made and there's a lot of money that gets thrown around, but the mm -hmm. promises are usually, you know, either big sign on bonuses and here's all the operational support, marketing support that will give you to push your business forward. But then that, that kind of falls through. So our big value add for our branches, okay, this is actually, we have people that sit in house. It's not some kind of national, 
your voice gets lost in the fold type of thing, right. or you can never get anybody to answer the phone. You know, our branch specifically has in-house managers, in-house marketing. You know, the value add that we have is the very much white glove service that our loan officers can provide to mm-hmm. their real estate partners to grow their business. Um, and then not only that, I'm a builder. My branch manager is a non-producer, so he's also a builder. So people come and we recruit retail self-sourced loan officers to mm-hmm. grow their business. And that's different for everybody. You know, we'll have a hundred million dollar producer that, you know, is just working their dick into the dirt, you know, 80, yeah. 90 hours a week, no work-life balance at all. And they, you know, them growing their income is not their main focus. So they come in and we teach them that time blocking, work-life balance, what's an emergency and what's not, what fires do you need to jump in on? What fires don't you need to jump in on? And we already have those processes in place um, Mm -hmm. that makes it, you know, that gives them this blueprint of, okay, this is how I can run my business efficiently and still have time for my family or still have time for whatever I want to do. And I'm not just going to work myself to death. Mm -hmm. And then on the other spectrum of things, you've got, you know, someone that is just starting out a brand new loan officer just getting into mortgage or maybe they've been in it for a couple of years but they're just working leads or they're working in a call center and the the quality is really low you know so a mortgage you've got two different types of business models a call center pounding the pavement knocking on the doors um really have to work for your business the, right uh, for the entirety of your career or mm-hmm. your self-sourced kind of retail side where you're building relationships, that's your focus and the value that you're selling is your service. Everybody's getting the home ownership dream, but you're selling the service and then you're working up that book of business so you don't have to work as hard um, and your leads are better quality that way. So we sell that for the lower level loan officers to come in. And again, because we have that structure of this is what works and then we can kind mm-hmm. of get to each team and each loan officer individually. Um, you know, that's, that's why they come here because we can be specific in, it's not, you're coming to, you know, sell cars for Nissan. It's you're coming to build your own brand mm-hmm. at a place that already has the infrastructure to give you the support that you need to grow. No, I love it. I mean, that's one of the things I noticed in the, in the real estate industry versus the mortgage industry is like real estate was all about that support system, the marketing machine, the, the SOPs in order for them to execute and plugging into that and that's what they were paying the fee for versus mortgage it always felt like it was like you were a lone wolf you know what i'm saying and you had to oh, figure yeah. it out and every mortgage officer in the same office operated differently whether it be relationship building with referral partners or going out into the marketplace and placing ads to get new uh homeowner leads and stuff like that it just seemed like there wasn't any continuity there so it's it sounds like that's what you are kind of bringing to the mortgage industry a little bit and then when they come in, they can kind of see, okay, how do I fit into this opportunity structure that you guys have in place, whether I'm entry level or a seasoned vet and I'm looking to expand my business and my book of business. And it, it, it really sounds like from a recruiting standpoint, that's a huge, powerful tool because you're not just recruiting one type. You're not recruiting the entry level. You're not recruiting the one or two year uh, person in or the season vet, you can recruit all three because you all have that system set up and the experience to do it. Exactly. And even our support staff that we bring in, I have a lot of younger, you know, hungrier support staff. They're like, oh, I want to be a loan officer. I want to be in sales. And they get mm-hmm. in mortgage and they, you know, figure out that, okay, maybe I, maybe I don't want to have to work so hard yeah. to eat. And they, and yeah. they, but they are, they join part of a team 
with a salesperson that already has mm -hmm. that knowledge, already is a hustler, already has that book of business, and they can kind of plug into that. But no matter what side and what piece of that you go into, you know exactly what you're looking forward to. Okay, if I stayed in operations, I could still move up to here or here. Mm -hmm. and if I'm here, that income is, you know, is fine for me to feed my family and have plenty and that's what I need. And then, and I'll just come to work and do my job. Yeah. And then they also know if they start from here, okay, if I did everything possible to get to the highest level of operations, this isn't, I would still want to be higher than this. I need right. to do sales. You know, I need to push myself in, in that capacity, but I have a lot of even salespeople that we will recruit in younger people that, okay, be a, be a junior or, you mm -hmm. know, plug under the, under this bigger team, learn what you can and then go out on your own. And they, they never leave. Cause they're like, no, I, this is comfortable for me. You know, this yeah. stability is comfortable and, and some people are good with that. And, and we, I definitely, we definitely attract both types of those people. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I feel like there's there's really three profiles that happen in sales-centric organizations. One is the producer, two is the uh, su supporting cast, you know. And again, some of that supporting cast may be in they're they're in sales too. That maybe they're setters, right? Or maybe they're bringing in the business. Maybe they're out there drumming up the business and then they send it to the closer. Mm -hmm. But sometimes those setters can be more successful than you know, the individual closer that's out in the marketplace on their own, not really having that support team in place. Mm -hmm. And so, and then, and then, yeah, I think, you know, eventually they either, they either uh, start their own deal and use that mentorship to propel themselves. Or like you said, they, they kind of enjoy being an entrepreneur versus the entrepreneur. Right. And so I think, uh, I think that's a, that's a big deal to point out is we, when we when we set up sales structures or sales programs too many times we kind of like pigeonhole our recruit in going through this one process versus okay maybe they can spin off into staff or marketing or um uh, recruiting or they can spin off uh into a different product whatever the case may be within the organization so those kind of things can happen too as a key, a double edge, you know, that's a double edged mm -hmm. sword too, because you want to mm -hmm. make sure you're putting the right butt in the right seat. You know, if I'm mm -hmm. hiring an operational person and I like them a lot, or I'm hiring a salesperson, it's like, yeah, I like them a lot, but they're really not thriving in this one job, or maybe they're really not thriving in sales. Like, okay, well, you know, maybe they could go over here and go over here. And I found a lot, you know, uh, when I took my position, there was actually a lot of that kind of just shifting people around for, mm -hmm. okay, we've invested in this person and maybe want to, you know, we're loyal to them and we want to make sure they're fitting. Right. But at some point it's okay. No, we hired this person and this is what we need them to do. Can't just move them around. You'd say it's really important to have the right butt in the right seat right off the bat. And there's some unicorns out there. You know, I started as a graphic designer and I moved up and all the way around. And I would say yeah. that's very rare. Mm -hmm. occupation. You know, you hire somebody for a job and you tell them that, okay, this is what, you know, these are your expectations and this is what I want you to do. And they can't deliver on that. I would yeah. say, more times than not, it's really hard to move them around and then be successful anywhere else when that's not what you hired them for. So it's super important to put the right butts in the right seats. Yeah, I think uh, the term unicorn is very true, right? Because we all want our top salesman to be our sales manager, but that's not the case most of the time. You mm -hmm. know, honestly, that's pretty damn rare. And so, I, and I think us as, uh, you know, builders, like you said, think, oh, well, if I can do it, then everybody else should be able to. If I can sell part-time and manage the business and be a sales manager all at once, 
then I should set up the position to be able to do that at like a regional level or something like that. And that is a very hard position to fill versus if we let operations do what they're good at and manage and then let the CEO or the, the visionary do what they're good at and, and cast the vision and, and build the business and then let the salespeople produce, then they can kind of stay in their lane and be a lot more productive from it, right? Oh yeah, and letting them produce is the key. This is probably one of the biggest things that I have struggled with as I have grown, because like you said, I want, if I want to hire somebody underneath me, I have the expectation of, well, this is the way I would do it and this is what right. I expect of them. And if you bring, you know, you're bringing in a lower level salesperson that maybe needs some training or is not as gung ho, it's really hard to let them, you know, kind of give them the support and give them everything that they need, but also let them succeed or fail, you know, on their own. I had get in the really bad habit of, well, I would be doing it this way, or, you know, I would be working this hard and you can't, right. I can't push my expectation of what I would be doing onto other people as the, you know, manager or the development. It's mm -hmm. here's all of the tools. I want you to succeed. I'm here for you to succeed and I'll do whatever I can to help you with that. But at the end of the day, as salespeople, that's on you. Do you want to, are you going to put in what it takes uh, to get there? And I can't, you know, put my expectation on you or let that affect what I'm doing in my job. Couldn't agree more. And that's why like early in my career, I implemented metrics in order to get promoted. You hit the metrics mm -hmm. or you don't, you know what I'm saying? That's, it's that simple. It was so hard for some people to get over that. It's like, well, you know, most places you work at, if you like me, I get promoted, you know, you no, gotta you gotta take the emotion out of it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. So as a key player in the business, where are you finding are the difference makers for growing a mortgage team? What, where do you really see like, Hey, we started doing this and then we had, you know, like that, that growth y'all had over the last two years with some of your teams. So the biggest thing that I have with my salespeople is delegation. I have a lot, uh, especially again, the newer or even the, the medium sized salespeople will come in. Mm -hmm. And like, we just talked about that expectation. Okay. If I want it to get done, right, I'm going to do it all myself and you can't leverage. You are only ever one person, right? So you can't leverage your business or grow your business. If you are mortgage wise, if you are in every single file, if you are following up with every single lead, you know, if you are the one mm -hmm. doing all of those touches and to build a business, providing that white glove service where people want to come back and people refer you, that is time consuming. There's only so big that you can grow doing it all yourself. So right. the, the biggest success that we have found is because we already have the operational seasoned operational support in place it mm -hmm. makes those people more comfortable. Like, okay, I can, I know that if I give this up, it might not get done the way I would do it, but it's going to get done. It's going to get right. done well at a high level and we're going to close, you know, at the end of the day, my job is to close loans, make sure my clients and my realtors are happy. Our operational staff is already seasoned uh, and has enough, you know, tenure and experience to be able to provide that trust almost right off the bat. Everything takes a little time, but mm -hmm. that is, one of the biggest value adds that we have for kind of the lower to middle level producer. And that's really what helps them grow the structure that we already have in place and the accountability piece. A lot of salespeople will go to these big annual rallies or summits, right. you know, three or four days and they get all the hoorah hoopla and then, you know, two, three weeks later, they're right back to doing what they're doing. So another big piece that we implement is, yeah, we have these structures, but we're also holding you accountable. Are you, yeah 
prospecting at a certain level. You know, again, whatever level you come at, okay, this is what I want to get to. All right, to get to that level, you need to be making, you know, 75 calls, two events, this many slide aisles, this many cold calls, this many follow-ups a week. Mm-hmm. And we have somebody following up with them. Are you doing that? And if you're not, why? Or do we need to change that business model? But it is truly a, our management team is investing in our salespeople and investing mm-hmm. in our growth. And I think that accountability piece is really what uh, is that trigger to help them grow. I couldn't agree more. Are those managers, are they uh, first in the business? Are they running their own teams? Like, you know, cause there's, there's this, there's this debate about the person that holds someone else accountable. Like they have to be doing what they're doing or they, they have to have had a history of success in the business or whatever the case is. So I can imagine that, you know, and, and, and I dealt with this early on because I only knocked I only knocked doors for 90 days it was before I was managing, you know, 30, 40, 50 mm-hmm. door-to-door salespeople. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And so how do y'all handle that piece? Is it is it someone that has the credentials or is it someone that is more, that's their position in the team to basically support you in that sense? That it's someone that has the credentials. So our branch manager does not produce any more so that you can focus on the coaching and accountability, but was previously, you know, top 40, under 40, hundred million dollar producer. That's where he comes from, was built his business very quickly uh, at a young age. And then the other managers on the team are kind of separate, separate out the mortgage process. Cause Mm -hmm. I get a lot of, not necessarily pushback, but one of the questions I get a lot is like, okay, well, if the manager is not producing, mortgage changes every day and all the time. So if he's not in the trenches with us, how is he going to know and be able to help me? Well, that's what we've got our production manager for. He is doing income scenarios. He's setting up the files. He's doing pricing exceptions and, you know, looking at the rate market and everything. So we have him for that piece of stuff. We have an operations manager for the back end of things, and she's keeping it on the pipeline, making sure things close on time, close smoothly once things are already in process. So the different, the way that our managers overlap, really mm-hmm. covers all your basis of yes the experience and you've already you've got someone in the trenches you've got somebody that's been there before i would say just to add on to your question that's my biggest struggle in trying to establish myself as an expert in the space as well so mm-hmm. recruiting most mortgage recruiters are you know you've got the mortgage nerd or wally illy every down in down here in dallas jeremy forcia it's all i've done 200 million dollars introduction come join my branch learn how Mm -hmm. i did that and build yourself me as a recruiter that's not i i'm licensed and i do some loans and every loan i close i hate it that's just that's that's (laughs) not my passion that's not what i built for so i will Mm -hmm. never be that okay look at this massive mortgage business that i have built you know come, come hit your wagon to that that's not that's not the value i'm trying to switch that view of myself as an expert in this space is I've been here five, almost six years now. And I help, you know, I've always supported that value of the loan officers coming in that get my full attention. My production is not doing loans. I am doing the research so that you can come in and grow your business, build your realtor relationships. um, And kind of, you know, the longer that I'm in it, obviously building that track record of like you said, my teams come in, they're at 20 million, mm-hmm. two years down the road, they're at 65, they're at 80, you know, and that's kind of what my value add personally yeah. as an expert in the space is you come in, we already have the tools. I'm kind of the spearhead of 
-hmm. knowing exactly what you need to do to push your business forward or to pull your business back, whatever that goal is specifically for you. We've already got all that stuff in place. Now, I love it because, I mean, it is a, a limited recruiting strategy to say, hey, I did this. Now you can do it, too, because you're learning from me. But you're only one person, you know, and the idea that one person can, you know, you may be and, and this is different for everybody. Like when you're good at sales, you typically if you take 10 people that are good at sales, they're all good at sales for different reasons. You got one person that just have an insane work ethic. They execute the play. And they execute it really well along the way and so that they're a great salesperson because of the numbers but if you talk to them one-on-one you're like eh, there's nothing special right you got another person that is something special they have this energy they have this vibe you know what i mean like that movie star type quality people you know they have that magnetic pull to them mm-hmm. but they're 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 terrible at doing the work you know what i'm saying because they oh, yeah. their closing percentage is so high that they can back off of it and still produce the same as this other person that's doing the work. And then you maybe have another person that's very good at innovative things, uh, a different way of thinking, lead generation, you know what I'm saying, versus um, closing. And so you can keep going and going and they'll all be really good at sales for different reasons. You know, mm-hmm. those those abilities typically aren't too transferable. You know, so if if somebody is doing 200 million or something like that, and they want to show somebody else how to do 200 million, it may not transfer, you know what I'm saying? Or chances are, if they have 10 other loan officers that are learning from them, you get limited, limited exposure to them. Mm -hmm. And and you're really only benefiting from their systems and their support, you know what I'm saying? Which is exactly what you're doing. And you're recruiting for with people coming in, you're showing them, Hey, we've taken these teams from 20 million to 60 million in two years tripled their revenue, whatever the case is, you're able to show that that track history is like, hey, this is our company doing this. This is our support team doing this. We're propping you up. You're not kind of, I guess, following in our footsteps necessarily. You're kind of paving your own way with the support team to do that with you. you know? Exactly. And, and everyone plugs in differently, you know, mm-hmm. and you've got it. It's completely different to go from 10 to 30 million that it is to go from 30 to 200, you know, and that's about having the structure. And because we have that, it's easy because we have such big teams that have also that we've kind of promoted from within or built Mm -hmm. from scratch. We have that loyalty also. So for the newer people coming in, it's like, Hey, plug in from these people that are already doing it, learn what you can from them and get whatever pieces are suited to you and your style and then learn something new from somebody else or you know and sometimes not even in our branch just in the market but we very much promote a you come in you are your own you build your own sales team right. you know we are a, a team of sales and sales people mm-hmm. but you coming in if you're one person your our goal for you coming in is to build your own team whether that's mm-hmm. a sales team or operationally underneath you so that you can grow your own production you know that's i know it's different in every industry but it's just yeah. like car sales or knife sales or product sales we come in, we want you to build your business and the the better you do, the better we do, the better everybody does. So everybody eats, everybody does well. Hell yeah. So let's uh, pivot to the marketing piece real quick. When we're talking mortgages, what do you think the best, I guess, uh, short-term lead strategy is right now? And I get what I mean by short-term is like, hey, I place an ad today, get a lead tomorrow, you know, and originate a loan the next day. What do you think the best uh, strategy for that is right now that you're seeing in the mortgage space? Honestly, self-source wise, the biggest strategy that I have is events 
Okay. So going to events and actually meeting those people face-to-face, uh, -face, obviously picking up the phone and calling them, but we are seeing bigger, just because there's so much crap out there that the media yeah. puts out about rates mm -hmm. and the industry as a whole actually getting, whether it's a happy hour or a client appreciation event, whether my loan officers are throwing it, you know, hosting it or attending it, going out there and talking to even just one person that's like, oh, I, yeah, I've been holding off on buying because, you know, rates are really bad. It's like, well, what do you mean rates are really bad? Well, everyone has said that rates are really bad. Okay, yeah. that's not the case. Um, you know, but it's hard to, unless you have that face-to-face, -face, okay, they're seeing me as a person and we're just talking about nothing. Mm -hmm. That's going to be your, your biggest return on investment is definitely going to be that face-to-face -face contact, whether it's your sphere of influence or an actual networking work event. Um, your biggest ROI is going to be there because the, even on social media, you know, doing videos or taking out an ad or doing a mm -hmm. click or anything like that, the market is so saturated with incorrect information from the media right now yeah that stuff gets lost so um it needs to be directly targeted to your sphere and a lot of the loan officers have different specialties also you know a first-time home buyer or mm -hmm. you're downsizing or getting you out of renting or whatever that is so the biggest advice that i give to my people right now is know what that is you can't be everything to everybody you know, it's not, I, I do mortgages for anybody and everybody that wants them. Yes, I do, but what's my goal? Who am I here to help? You know, mm -hmm. is it my friends and family? Is it my senior community that I can get them into this development? Am I targeting builders because they give the biggest incentives and those are the houses that are going up and everybody wants to be in those young mm -hmm. families, young adults, new families, people that are coming out of, uh, you know, apartment complexes. Who do you actually want to target and hyper focus in on that and be really good at that that will start to get the transactions coming start building that book of business and then you can network out from there but the biggest failure i get from salespeople marketing in this sphere is they just want to do it all i want to be everything to everybody and i want to do mm -hmm. everything have a hyper focus make sure that your content is educational and entertaining you know having that good mix nobody wants to get in and look at our real estate you know agents facebook profile and it's just closing picture closing picture closing picture sell your house with me list your house with me whatever it is yeah see you engaged in the community what are you doing who are you as a person because mm -hmm. the industry that we're involved in mortgage and real estate is so relationship based it's okay if i'm going to sell my house with this person or let this person finance my house. Do I like them? Am I going to get along with them? You know, I'm just going to write you a $400,000 check because I saw your ad on Facebook. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. It, it makes a lot of sense too, because when you look at, when you look at the space right now, because there is so much, so many advancements in technology like AI and in mm -hmm. agencies and, but, but, but think about it. Like, you've basically got to become the marketing company in order to be good at that stuff at the, at the end of the day. And, and I bet so many mortgage officers or so many real estate agents end up just going full-time into being a, a, an agency, essentially providing leads because at some point you've got to become the expert in it and you're no longer the expert in real estate. You're no longer the expert in mortgage. You know what I'm saying? Cause you don't have the time to learn. Exactly. Yeah. Marketing is a full freaking full-time job. <laughs> mm -hmm. 100%. And so, I feel like 
some things stay the same and and some things have to change right and this is one of those things that stays the same like the differentiator in the marketplace is being out in the marketplace building those relationships having that face to face and and because it is completely different than you know reading an article seeing a TikTok, or you know social media post or whatever the case is and then talking to someone in person you can know like and trust them so much faster in person because of body language of tonality of all these things that don't really transfer as well on these other mediums you know what i'm saying and so i think especially for a new person starting out that's where it's at you can go out in the marketplace and 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 find someone pretty quick it's all and and honestly it's about asking for the business and any salesperson and this is probably the one of the hardest things for our salespeople too it's like oh well you know they know i do mortgages so why do so, so if they had a lead, they would give it to me. No, they wouldn't. You have to ask them for it. It doesn't matter. You know, you either right. have to ask for the referral. Hey, who do you know looking to buy or sell a house? Hey, who mm -hmm. do, you know, do you know any realtors in the sphere? They want to give you those leads, but it's yeah. not in someone's natural nature for, hey, let's go out to coffee and, or, you know, let's go out for a drink as friends. You have to ask them for that business. And it doesn't have to be super salesy. They know it's your job. That's how you yeah. provide for your family. You have to ask for the business, not just go out and, oh yeah, I networked and I met 50 people. Okay, well, how many leads did you get? Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm just building those relationships. That's good. You definitely need to be doing that, but you have to ask for the business too. Ask for a meeting, ask them, yeah. you know, if I'm meeting with a realtor, hey, let's go to coffee. Let me tell mm -hmm. you about what I do different. You know, let me tell you about how I can help your clients. Or if I'm talking yeah. to my friends, like, hey, I know your sister just bought a house. Doug, why, why didn't she come? Like, why didn't I get an application? Why couldn't I, you didn't give me the opportunity to help her. Yeah. You know, you have to be out there asking for the business and in person mm -hmm. is great. And then kind of like you said too, if you see something on TikTok or, you know, see an ad on Facebook, the biggest thing about marketing in any kind of relationship business is consistency. You know, you post right. one TikTok, it's like, man, maybe I want to work with this guy. And I looked his page and he only posts, you know, twice a year or the last time he posted was in December. It's like, ah, you know, Maybe, maybe I'll see that guy in person and then I'll get a feel for him. Right. Social media is an excellent, excellent, excellent tool to push your relevance forward and just solidify. Okay. I talk to people. Yeah. I liked her. And then I go look at our page. It's like, oh yeah, she loves country music and she hunts and mm -hmm. she does all this other stuff. Like just that one piece that you might connect uh, with somebody with, and that's just staying relevant. And I'll be honest with you I, not even that I hate social media because I think it's a great tool, but yeah. it's still super work when you do it for work and you promote it for work and you teach it for work. It's like, man, I don't even want to get on Instagram right now because it's really just going to be research for what's working or yeah. you know, looking at my KPIs or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But social media is such a fantastic tool to, you know, that excuse of, oh, I don't really know technology or, you know, social media doesn't work is is being becoming more and more irrelevant. You have to be on social media whatever that, even if it's not for your business, what's your family doing? Did you just have yeah. kids? Did you get married? Whatever it is, people want to know who you are. And in mortgage specifically, everybody's doing research on who they want to work with. So mm -hmm. if they can't find you, if you don't have any kind of web or internet, internet presence, it puts you behind, you know, you're a leg down from somebody that they can't find information on. A hundred percent. Yeah. It, it drives me nuts when I get a, uh, a podcast guest, you know, like from a matching service and, and they seem like a great guest and I can't even find them on Facebook. And I'm like, you know, I get it. Like if you're younger, it's all about Instagram and TikTok and, and all that stuff. But Facebook is where most people do business, right? 
that's mm-hmm. where our age group does business. And then they're the ones with the money and the businesses, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that's a big part of it. Or, or I'll see, you know, the, the older people, maybe 40 and above, they'll only be on LinkedIn, you know? And yep. I'm like, that's great. Like LinkedIn's becoming a bigger powerhouse in, in the social media game to where business is being, obviously a lot of business is done there, mm-hmm. but in terms of, uh, I guess, small business being done on there. Uh, it, it's becoming a, a bigger powerhouse, but again, why not have all of those? I mean, I have a Twitter that I never even log into. Ryan takes care of it for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying like, but I'm there. You yep. know what I mean? I'm on TikTok, and I rarely like ever look at what is being posted there because it's usually re-edited stuff from Reels or something like that. You know what I'm saying? I, I have mean, my the only time. Yeah, the only time I get on TikTok is to save stuff that mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I can I can switch that into mortgage or I can make that trending sound or whatever it is. I can do yeah. something with mortgage and I'll save that. And that's the only reason I get on TikTok. TikTok is yeah. not a but yeah, if you can't if you can't find somebody on social media, it's like, how how is this guy an expert mm-hmm. if I can't, you know, because social media is the place where you, you you interact too. It's not even about me posting. Like I want people to be able to, I just went on a podcast with Doug. Doug can tag me in that. People can see that I was tagged in that. Other people, you know, even if I am not the best at posting religiously right. or organically or anything like that, it gives other people a chance to interact with me. Okay, I was at this country concert and I didn't take any pictures or do anything, but someone else did and they tagged me in it and people yeah. see that I'm still out there in the community. A real me. person. Exactly. It's organic <laughs> collaboration that you don't have to yeah. do anything for just by having the freaking platforms. No, I couldn't agree more. You know, one of the things about posting on social media, we know it's good for our business, no matter what that post is, um, is what I what, what I've found is because I've been more vulnerable about my posts on social media and I've kind of extracted the lessons from life and posted those, then then it becomes more of a labor of love versus, you know, all oh, this thing I have to do to stay relevant, you know. And then it becomes more like, all right, I'm posting, you know, the kids uh, baseball games or about my chickens or about barbecue. And then I'm posting about work maybe once in between there. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because mm-hmm. you, you do you have those places where that's appropriate, like the building great sales teams page. Like that's where we post sales team stuff, you know, right. and every now and then I will absolutely post it on my personal page. But it's like part of a cadence that is has a nice mix of things, you know, and, and it does. Be- I want to see I want to yeah. go to your Facebook page and see your chickens, even if I was like, <laughs> hmm, I want to. I want to see what this guy is about and you know what his content for building great sales teams is or when people come to my page like maybe they have a mortgage question they want to know something about mortgage they want to see what else is going on like okay how can i trust this person if i Mm. don't know that he has chickens what if he's just a chicken hater like no i want (laughs) this guy has chickens he's probably cool as shit. i want to take sales advice from this guy you know or whatever it is it's relatable to people and and i think the consistency has taken away from it uh feeling like a job to me when you are just doing it for business then it's hard to get on and easy to not like it but and then it's kind of a hassle to stay consistent it's like i don't want to be that person that's always on my phone you know i'm not the Mm -hmm. one that's at the concert with my light on you know right Right. there the whole time that's not me or out on vacation in broken bow just like a secluded romantic getaway with my husband i'm not taking the candid of my coffee on the lake Maybe, maybe I should be though, you know, maybe I don't post it right then, but just being aware of, okay, people want to know what's going on with me. So Mm -hmm. constantly not necessarily having your phone out, but having that availability to, okay, I'm going to 
maybe I'll post this later, but it's good content for, yeah. you know, what I'm doing in the sphere. And then it becomes not as much of a whip for, or job, right. but yeah, you do have to be conscious of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think for me, especially when it is those family moments, when it is that intimate moment with my wife, like, you know, maybe we'll take a picture after or before all the fun stuff happens. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll take a picture during, you know what I'm saying? But we're not doing the post right then and there. Exactly. You know I mean, we're waiting till the next day or the day after, whatever the case is. And then we reflect on that. And those end up being better anyways, because it's not just like, hey, look at me, I'm out here. It's like, hey, this is what we did today. And, you know, if you guys are looking to do something different, try this, you know, and this is, you know, what the experience was like for us. And you can actually put some some uh, effort behind it. Then all of a sudden the, the post means a lot more to people than just saying, hey, this is my life and the highlight reel, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's where a lot of people fail, too, is they are always trying to be reactive. It's like, oh, here's what's going on. Well, I got to mm -hmm. do this and then I got to take a picture of it. And it's like, OK, that's why it's so cumbersome for you. And it's why it's taking up so much time is because you're always reactively doing it. It's like, oh. mm -hmm. and that's not as fun. Whatever you're doing is not as, not as much fun. I want to go to this concert and it's like, oh yeah, I have to post that I'm here and I have to tag AT&T Center <laughs> and Luke Holmes. Yeah. And is it that much of a chore? No, but it's like, man, I'd really like to be listening to the music. It's like, yeah. just be conscious of it. Snap a picture or have your friends, you know, send you pictures and stuff. And then, like you said, kind of reflect back on that for okay, yeah, this was a great time. These are local places that I can recommend mm -hmm. uh, and, and things like that is a much better way. Anything, any kind of structure that you can do in any area, not just social media, you know, we just talked about building teams and mortgage and stuff like that. Structure for structure and processes and having a plan for stuff is going to make anything and everything exponentially easier and leverageable. Whereas, you know, even if I, at the point, I have a social media manager now and I will throughout the week, you know, take pictures or take videos and content mm -hmm. and I just send them to her and she posts them or she schedules yeah. them throughout the week. So it's, it's almost zero reactive time for me because it's all structured. I know that this is what I need to do. I'm conscious of it. And if I was doing it myself, you know, I set out, set off a couple hours or maybe an hour a week or a couple yeah. minutes a day or whatever it is. And then once I have that structure, it's not as big of a task. It's not as overwhelming. I'm not putting myself in that position to fail. Mm -hmm on if I'm always having to be reactive about everything. Yeah, I think that's the ultimate hack is just to outsource the the work related stuff, you know, or the reels or the editing, the like really cumbersome stuff. Once you outsource that and you just get to do the fun stuff, all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, I can actually get back on my Facebook and yeah. look at whatever he's doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so back on mortgages and, and building teams within mortgages. How do you think mortgage pros can scale their team right now? Like what's attractive for new recruits right now? Um, attractive for new recruits right now is the, the structure. So right now when rates are moving wise right now is a good time to move to push your career forward. So okay. three years ago or right when COVID started, businesses was up 200%. You're not going anywhere, not just because mm -hmm. you're doing well, but it, because it's so hard to move if you're already an established loan officer to move your book of business and tell your realtors like, Hey, I'm with this other company, or you've got people that are under contract, you know, borrowers that, that are sense. under contract and you have to put those. So the busier people are honestly, the harder it is for them to move no matter what level you're producing at, you know, mm -hmm. if you're a bigger producer, obviously any time is harder, but right now when rates are a little bit higher, inventory is a little bit down businesses, uh, you know, loan officers business and that might be a little slower is when they're really 
evaluating, okay, this company that I'm at right now mm -hmm. is where I'm at now the best place for me to be able to grow to my eventual goal, whatever that is, or is this just, you know, I started off two years ago when everything was good and this is just where I could get in. Mm -hmm. You know, the big value add for us is our, we've already talked about our managers and our support and everything like that. We have very competitive compensation structures. So what we are looking for is longevity in the loan officers that we bring in. So, Hey, yeah. you're doing okay where you're at right now, but with all of this extra stuff that we can provide compensation structure and scalability, mm -hmm. this is where, you know, you, you should be now. So what I would challenge loan officers and people in the mortgage space to think about is while things are slow, this is when they are building their processes. Like, okay, I don't have mm -hmm. a lot of business right now. So I am building out my marketing content. Maybe I'm starting a podcast or maybe I'm trying to get more structure and I want to encourage them to make sure that they are building that in a place that is scalable. You know, I talked to a loan officer a couple of weeks ago and he had just moved maybe six, seven months ago, but he was really investing, you know, I'm building all of this, all of my structures and all of my processes out for my team, but my company won't give me a support person. Right. You know, mortgage, you need a certain, you have to be doing a certain amount of volume or a certain amount of sales to get your right. own specific support person. And especially in mortgage, you get people in management or people in recruiting or operations, they don't look at potential. It's mm -hmm. not okay. Did you close 10? No, but I've got 30 loans in the pipeline, you know, 30 people that are under, right. under contract. It's like, okay, well, once you close those, then we'll give you a person. It's like, okay, well, I need a person to be able to do this. So a lot of mortgage companies that hired when things were just, you know, uh, we were, everybody was really oh, wow. understaffed. Exactly. So they just hired everybody. It's like, well, you know, you don't, a lot of those people have been laid off and they're not, mm -hmm. companies aren't going to put themselves in the same position to no, you're not going to get your own support staff until I know for sure, I'm not going to lose money on that person if I'm paying for it, or you're not yeah. going to lose money on that person. So the biggest moving and shaking right now is going on for the big thinkers that I need to make sure that I am in the best position. I can be when things pick back up because they will, the housing mm -hmm. market will always pick back up interest rates. You know, we are hoping to see a reprieve in interest rates, third, fourth quarter. Yeah. And when that happens, am I in the best place to push my business forward or am I just going to do, okay, you know, I'll have more business, but will I be able to grow and scale that, you know, mm -hmm. when the business comes in? So our biggest ad right now is when things are a little bit down, this is when you need to really be getting your processes and structures in place. We already have that and mm -hmm. we already have all of this support and all of this value and all of this marketing we have in-house marketing. Um, I do trainings on all of our systems, our CRMs, our total cost analysis, any of the marketing technologies that are mortgage related. I actually mm -hmm. train all in all those and make those applicable. I have an in-house director, graphic designer that does headshots and videos and professional stuff and adds that value to the realtors. So it's really just about getting our name out there. Like, Hey, loan officers, even if you are not necessarily unhappy where you're at, cause those are easier. Okay. You've got mm -hmm. a pain point. I'll tug on that pain point, you know, and, and I've yeah. got something that can fix that for you, but there's a lot of loan officers out there that are just complacent. It's like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not looking to move. I'm not looking to really stay here, but you know, I'm just good right now okay, you can be better over here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these are, we could put you in a better situation that you did. And some of them don't even know it was out there. A lot of loan officers that come from call centers or mm -hmm. leave this stuff. It's like, no, you know, business is just down for everybody. Nope. Nope.
no, it's not. <laughs> Typically, it's those top 30% that are continue to produce in, in the downtimes because they've built that book of business. Or like you said, they've built other systems and processes and they have the sort of core team in place. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, before we got on the call, I was reading an article that the mortgage industry, mortgage industry could see uh, interest rates go to 5% by the end of the year. You know what I mean? Which is the sweet spot for basically the, the home buying market. I mean, obviously it was even sweeter a year ago, but we're here, right? And we're trying exactly. to rebound from it. But yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point that you brought up, like now is the time to recruit. You know, now is the, the time when, when things are down and you have that extra time to go out and build your team. Now you can go and do that, whether it be internally at cross country or whether, you know, you have your own mortgage business, whatever the case is, now is the time. And then the second point you made was building out those systems and processes so that when the business does increase, you're ready for it and you can actually fulfill it. That's a big piece of what I preach at Kodak on the operation side is being able to actually fulfill business when it doubles, when it triples, when it quadruples, and you double up that sales team and all of a sudden your sales are going through the roof. Then all of a sudden you have all these pain points in your operations and your fulfillment, and you've got to be able to, to, to be ready for those. And in the mortgage industry, it sounds like now's the time to get ready. Oh yeah. And that's kind of what I, when you originally asked to be on the show, I was like, what do you want to talk about? It's, you know, being, a good salesperson is either building, you know, being part of an already existing sales team that can offer that support and offer that coaching and accountability for you. Or mm -hmm. if in, in the instance where you're, maybe I'm just a separate loan officer or my own entrepreneur, it is hiring that outside consulting for, okay, how do I build somebody come and tell me somebody yeah. that you don't need. There is no instance where you need to reinvent the wheel, no matter what mm -hmm. industry you are in, there are structures and processes out there. So if you are serious about growing a sales team, growing your business, plug into a great sales team, which is what we have here at, you know, cross country and at the cooksie mm -hmm. brand or build your own. And that's going to take some investment, invest in yourself, right. hire a consultant, get those processes and then make them your own, but don't start from scratch. You start from scratch and then you work for six months and then the market has already changed and now you're in the exact position that you were at yeah. and you are prospecting and so business is good and you still don't have your processes in place so being a great salesperson is on a great sales team which you can still be fantastic you don't always i i never want to be not i never want to be number one i always want to be the best that i can be but i love being number two you know i have a yeah. brand manager he's fantastic he pushes me in he is always has my best interest in mind and pushes me to the best that I can be. And mm -hmm. I love being his number two. I love saying, well, shit just hit the fan. Michael, what's your decision? And it's <laughs> you know? So I'm yeah. here to you and, uh, and I support your decision, whatever it is, but you make that decision. And I think a lot of the time salespeople will get in their mind too, of I need to be number one. I need to be the best. Yeah. I need to do all this stuff. It's like, you could be number one, you know, it, like I said, in that hyper-focused area, or it doesn't always, you don't always have to be the boss of all bosses or, or a branch manager or anything like that. You can plug into a really good sales team and they mm -hmm. can help you grow. And you can, again, not reinvent the wheel and hitch your wagon to something that you know is already working and, and build from there and just make it easier on yourself and still be a big dog. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I think I okay. really want to rant on. I remember what the question no, was. No, no, you're good. <laughs> I mean, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying because people are so hyper-focused on that number one title or the CEO title, the owner title, but you're the CEO, the owner of a $100,000 company. I mean, you know, wouldn't you rather be uh, a $200,000 earner in a $5 million company? 
you know what I'm exactly. saying? That's that's growing you and teaching you and developing you versus you're kind of stuck here at a hundred thousand because you're not trying to learn. You're not trying to grow from anybody. You know, you're yep. trying to be the boss all the time. So no, I, I couldn't agree more. All right. So last question, this one's a little deeper. Uh, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind? <laughs> Legacy's got me thinking about Cowboys now. Cause you asked me a cowboy at the beginning, <laughs> my John Wayne fan. So now all I've got in my head is John Wayne, but I think legacy to me just means leaving something behind that proves that I made an impact on somebody. So mm -hmm. I haven't always been money motivated. I think I'm a little bit more money, mo money motivated now because I'm in an industry where a lot of money gets thrown around, but right. legacy to me is really just making an impact on people and having them remember, okay, yeah, Courtney wasn't CEO or, you know, she didn't make the most money, but she cared about me or, you know, she helped me out of the situation or she did, um, you know, she went that extra mile or provided that extra level of service when she didn't have to, uh, mm -hmm. legacy is to me providing something to someone else that they couldn't reciprocate. So, so it kind of lives on and you'll, everybody gets forgotten about. It's not right. don't be written in stone or, or anything like that, but building mm -hmm. a legacy and the important part of building my legacy and our legacy here in mortgage is the fact that we are really able to help people and add value and we'll always have their best interest in mind you know we have a strict no asshole policy here it's all <laughs> people it doesn't matter if you're making 100 or 200 million dollars if you're going to come in here and you're going to be a cancer to our culture or mm -hmm. you know it's going to be all about you and we don't we're not waiting on you hand and foot i don't care how much money you make how long you've been in the business how big your book of business is everybody gets treated the same um and you know that's what our legacy and my legacy will be is I care just as much about the janitor as I do, you know, my direct supervisor or my boss. It's a culture of growth. Everybody eats, everybody's looking out for everyone. I love it. Courtney Vest, a legacy of no assholes and value. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love I it. Invest in you and don't be an asshole. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys, if you want to reach out to Courtney because you're interested in joining the team, or because you want to learn from her or her uh, social media following, then we'll include those links in the show notes for you guys. Uh, until next time, Courtney, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for coming on, bringing us a bunch of value and a bunch of information in the mortgage industry that we didn't have before. Absolutely, Doug. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, let's get building. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. We really do appreciate it. As you know, we believe that great leaders build great teams. How do you become a great leader? You learn from the greats. Join us at the Million Dollar Mastermind put on by Ryan Stuman in Frisco, Texas, and learn everything that you need to learn to be that great leader. The link will be in the description below. As always, we ask that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts so you can stay up to date with the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Let's get building.